what is my value? What value do I bring to this? How do I enhance that? And this is the time to really sit back and define what that is and to understand what value you bring to this equation that's more than just pressing buttons or typing words in or understanding how to describe the property. It has to be more than that. You're listening to Elevate, the official podcast of Elite Agent for real estate industry sales professionals, property managers, and leaders. With thanks to our partner Connect Now, Elevate brings you the best tools, thinking, and strategies to elevate your results. To get access to all of Elite Agent's premium resources, including a detailed episode guide for this podcast, visit joineliteagent.com. And for more information about how Connect Now can make moving easier on your clients, visit connectnow.com.au. Here is your host, Samantha McLean. Hey, hey everyone, it's Sam here. Today we're thrilled to have with us a true innovator in the real estate industry. And while he doesn't necessarily like being described as a thought leader, I think he's one of the true thought leaders in the world of prop tech and real estate, and that is Jeff Turner. With a successful track record as an entrepreneur, Jeff has dedicated his career to empowering real estate executives and businesses by providing expert guidance on technology and its application within the industry. He's had a front row seat for the last eight years, observing how the world of AI is likely to shape the industry in the future, which is something he'll be talking to elite retreat attendees about in July. So Jeff, it's welcome back to the show and thank you for being here. Always an honor and a pleasure to talk to you. Always. Reflecting back, and I think the first time we met was back at ARIC 2011, which was like more than 10 years ago. <laughs> Can you believe that? Yeah, I was thinking about it as well when you talked to me about a month and a half ago about participating in the elite retreat. It was a very informal little coffee conversation that we had. I forget where it was in Sydney. It was What's the old section of Sydney called again? I always forget what it's called. The Rocks? Was it The Rocks? The Rocks, yeah. I think we met at a cafe in The Rocks, if I'm not mistaken, because the conference was, you know, right there at the convention center. Yeah, that was the year that Rudy Giuliani and Alan Jones, all the controversial people. And then there's this nice guy by the name of Jeff Turner. Yeah, back before Rudy Giuliani lost his mind. I don't know what happened, but something happened. (laughs) Anyway, what I wanted to ask you is 10 years ago, when you first came out here, LinkedIn was still kind of new. And I think you were one of the few people that said, stop shouting on social media, like you should be listening more than you're shouting. And that advice, I think, still holds true today. Like, you know, there are too many people sort of broadcasting, as Rick Russian would say, before they tune in. And I was just wondering, we've seen trends come and go in 10 years. What is your summation of the last sort of 10 to 12 years in prop tech and real estate? Like what are the big things that have happened and what are some of the things that have just not happened? Wow, that's a massive question. You went straight for the hardcore question right off the bat. I think the more things change, the more things stay the same. We see all sorts of new technologies. AI is a whole nother category of technology. I view it differently than I view every other movement that's happened in the last 15 years. Nothing is going to be as sweeping as AI is going to be. I believe it is literally going to touch every area of business, every single area. And so that said, looking forward on that side of the equation, all of the technological advances that have come along have not really done much to displace the need for the human touch in all of this. And so when you talk about the fact that I was you know, I think in 2011, my entire presentation was on listening at a moment in time where the ability to broadcast was just really 
coming into the forefront. You know, people had a way to spread whatever information they wanted to spread further than they've ever been able to spread it before. And that's more true today than it was then. But I believe you're right. It's even more true today that being able to bring a truly human touch to all of these things, to actually listen, to actually engage in real conversation, to promote this notion that there's a need for people to connect as human beings. You know, I'm from California, so this is going to sound a little bit of fruity nutty, but I don't think that's going to change, not even with AI, even though I think the kinds of changes that are coming as a result of artificial intelligence being inserted into these different business practices is going to be disconcerting, unnerving, and unsettling for a lot of people. That's not going to go away. The people who can truly connect with others are going to be more valuable, not less. And I think AI is only going to highlight that. I'm keen to take a very deep dive into AI with you as part of this. But I guess just before we do get into that, to sort of give some people some more background on where you've come from and what you're doing and all of the rest of that. So recently, you've been the entrepreneur in residence for the NAR Reach program, which people are starting to get familiar with because there's a NAR Reach program here in Australia at the moment. Peter Schwabmeet is doing a fabulous job with that program in Australia, by the way. Yeah. So what are some of the really clever things you've seen in the last few years in the world of PropTech? I'm going to go out on a limb and say that we've seen more iteration than true innovation. We've seen people build on concepts, automate things, and automation being different from artificial intelligence. Connectivity, some of the most exciting startups that I've seen are a marriage of technology and service. So Curbio, for example, I stood on stages in AR and said, Curbio is just going to print money because they were doing things that were really going to move the needle. You know, going in and making improvements where the homeowner didn't have to spend any money and they were paid out of the closing cost to get a house up to snuff and get more money for the owner, more money for the realtor, and they made their money on providing the service. Those are the kinds of things that have really captured my imagination, this marriage of understanding via all of the data what are going to be the most important improvements to make to a home, increasing the value of that house, and then allowing everybody to participate in that increased value. Those kinds of things, I think, are truly innovative. I do remember you talking about Curbio, actually. Yeah. And there's other companies that fall into that same category that are out there doing these things. But most of it has to do with automation and analyzing data and really providing more value both to the consumer and to the agent and understanding what's happening from a market perspective, and being able to extract more value from that. So let's get to the guts of probably what we're both looking forward to chatting about, which is chat GPT and some of the large language models that are around at the moment. Like you said that you feel like this is the one. And I mean, in the amount of time I've been writing about real estate, I've never felt like change the way that I feel it right now. What sort of an impact do you think that tools like ChatGPT and other large language models are going to have? The analogy that I had been using was Andrew's analogy that AI was the new electricity. I think that's true. I think we're going to see an explosion of AI-empowered tools. I mean, we're living through a, a Cambrian explosion of technology, thanks to AI. I subscribe to a newsletter you know, built with AI that 
almost every day, seven, eight, nine, ten new companies with new takes on how they utilize these large language models are coming into existence. Some of them focused on very, very, very narrow aspects of what is possible inside of a business context and some of them more broad. But I think that Bill Gates actually did a good job. He wrote a seven-page letter a couple of weeks ago where he reacted to what he saw with ChatGPT. He said he hasn't felt that way from a technology experience since he saw the first graphical user interface. And I can relate to that, and maybe others can too, because I bought this computer. is gutted. It sits across my office here. I bought a Mac, my first Mac, after that 1984 Super Bowl commercial. The graphical user interface changed the way we interacted with our computers. It gave us a completely new window into the computing world. And it allowed the average person to be able to work with a computer in ways that they had never been able to do before. Because prior to that, you really had to understand certain basics of programming to really work inside of a computer. And it was a massive barrier to adoption of computer technology. And so the GUI comes along, the graphical user interface comes along, and the world explodes. I mean, everything we're doing right now today, you know, the fact that we're clicking on buttons on the web and doing all of that came from graphical user interfaces and, and all of the explosion that happened after the introduction of the Mac in 1984, for example. His comment was, Chat GPT feels like that big of a shift in the move forward into a new way of interfacing with our computers. And I feel the same way. Chat GPT is now up. It is my main browser tab now. When I start my computer up in the morning, it is there by my side for me to use as I see fit. And there are several other applications that I'm playing with right now that are built on top of these models that will become more specifically and dynamically trained once entrepreneurs really get their hands on them. I'm, I'm consulting with a company based in Bangalore, India, that's utilizing the image models in ways that will blow people's minds on what they can do with automating, dreaming inside of your home, doing virtual staging, even in furnished homes, automatically. There's so much happening as a result of this new way of interfacing with the computer, that it feels just like that. It feels just like what happened the first time you picked up. A, remember the first time you picked up a mouse and were able to click around the screen? It was life-changing. You know, at the risk of sounding like an AI fanboy, I believe this is the same. I believe this is going to have just a big impact, in fact, more, because of the underlying technology that is going to explode and continue to explode. The smarter these programs get, the easier it's going to be for them to improve upon themselves. So it's massive. I don't believe any product category is going to be spared. In publishing, I mean, our business is a bit different to real estate businesses, but there have been already, you know, we can handle press releases a lot faster. I think there's a plugin into WordPress now. So if I want to, you know, improve my SEO, I can find long tail keywords that no one's looking at. You know, photography, I wanted an image for a story, so I created one in mid-journey. You know, I wanted something proofed the other day, asked ChatGPT. I sort of think that it's probably replaced at least one human, if not one and a half humans in our business, like in productivity. Will the same thing happen in real estate? 
I think it will. And I think the agents who are creative in their understanding of how to utilize the technology are going to be given superpowers. They're going to be more efficient. They're going to get more done. And those who don't embrace it will be beaten by those who do. It's only different in terms of the scale of what can be done than any other piece of technology that's come before it. Smart people, creative people will figure out how to use these tools to make themselves stronger, better, faster. We're going to have a whole bunch of $6 million men running around. (laughs) There are a lot of people running around at the moment. I mean, there are two sides to every coin, as you and I well know. There are people that are sort of saying, well, this is good, like this makes me more productive and it's free, there's no learning curve and it makes me more productive, which I think is a huge leveler of the playing field and a huge game changer just in those three things. Can you see any downsides at the moment to using ChatGPT? I suppose if you are undisciplined that you could become so dependent on it that you lose certain abilities to be creative and to think creatively and to think critically and to lapse into this, the ease of having ChatGPT do your work for you. I think that would be a mistake, especially today, to do that. I think there's tremendous amount of power that can come from the human interaction with these systems in ways that improve both sides. I don't see it as a one-way street. I see this being, how do I both improve on this experience for myself and teach others how to improve on the experience for themselves as well? And some of this is going to happen, by the way, as a result of domain adaptation that's going to happen because entrepreneurs are going to come in and fill in all of the missing pieces and all of the gaps in these equations. I did a podcast with NAR earlier this week, last Wednesday or Thursday, and we talked about this. I had seen a website called Visus, V-I-S-U-S dot A-I. And it was basically a create-your-own chat GPT AI where you upload your documents and you're able to have conversations with those documents. Well, I'll be surprised if by the time I get to Bali, someone hasn't launched a real estate contract version that allows a consumer or anyone to sit and have a conversation with a real estate contract and get feedback in ways that maybe they've never imagined. And this is the part where I I think people begin to get scared of this technology. If this robot, chat GPT, fill in the blank, any other language learning model, can give detailed feedback at a level that is equivalent or surpassing an average real estate agent's ability to explain a contract, what's left for me? And I think this is where people fall into the trap of not understanding fully the value that a realtor brings to the equation in managing the process of buying and selling a home. And they simplify or oversimplify what is happening in that transaction, and the need for a real human to hold someone's hand through this process. Now, are there a whole ton of transactions that might be able to be automated in some way? Probably. But I think that leaves a ton, ton of transactions where a real human's ability to understand needs, wants, desires, longings, feelings, you know, it goes back to what makes us human, what differentiates 
my need to buy a home from my next door neighbor's need to buy a home based upon our life circumstances, where we find ourselves. Think of the myriad of situations that cause me to want to buy or sell a home. Even with as advanced as this feels right now, I put a clause that I was working on on a contract into ChatGPT earlier today. And I said, because an attorney delivered back a contract and they made a wholesale change. And so I copied their change into ChatGPT and I said, what are the potential negative implications for someone on the opposite side of this clause? And explain it to me, right? So rather than going and asking an attorney, I simply asked ChatGPT. And it gave me this laundry list of things that I might want to think about. That was instantaneous. I didn't have to pick up the phone. I didn't have to forward it to my attorney. I didn't get a bill for it. And I had to use rational thought, which, you know, maybe not everybody does, to go then and research, is this a correct answer? Which I did. And they were. But very, very quickly, I got the scope of what this attorney was trying to accomplish with this change, and it allowed me to make a decision. Do I want to move forward with that? Am I okay with that or not okay with that? There's more to this, though, when it comes to this process of buying and selling real estate than just simply understanding clauses in a contract. There's, there's all sorts of emotional connections to home and living, especially when you're talking about a consumer who's buying and selling a home. This is a highly nuanced conversation that doesn't have a single answer to it. Yeah, you just made me think, actually, let's just play this out for a moment. I was watching Masterclass because, you know, shoot me, but I'm quite a fan of that, you know, like where they have Chris Jenner and she's sort of giving a Masterclass on personal branding. And I was watching one on the weekend with Daniel Pink, who has written some books on influence. And what you just said made me think of something that he said, actually two things, because you were talking about buyer beware. And that's really changed these days because of the internet. You know, buyers can be aware of all sorts of things. And now I think it's like seller beware. So if you're in sales, you actually need to be as well researched, if not better researched than the buyer. Hope I'm making sense here. But the influence that the buyer has now has really flipped. Like I think your job in sales, if you sort of take Daniel Pink's teachings, is quite different now, particularly when you as a buyer can go and check on your contract. You as a buyer can research scripts and dialogues. You as a buyer can, you know, sort of have a look at all those things that you used to get from your real estate agent. Don't you think this also, you know, when there are people saying, if you're using ChatGPT to write your property descriptions, you need to stop doing that. That should be the purview of the realtor. One of the real values that a realtor has is in writing property descriptions. And I hear that and I think to myself, if that's the real value that a realtor is bringing to the equation, then yes, you should be very concerned about your job as a realtor. If that's one of your prime values is writing property descriptions, you should be very concerned because this will do a better job. And it also is a limiting sort of argument because maybe that's true today. Maybe as somebody who writes a lot, or used to write a lot, I could write a better property description if I know everything there is to know about that house. Maybe, maybe not. But what happens when the AI gets so good and it's so integrated into search that when I go to look at a property, I get a different property description than when you go to look at a property because it understands who I am and what I want and what I'm looking for. And based upon the data of my searches that I've been you know, spending a lot of time and I tend to linger on uh, homes that have really beautiful kitchens. And I spend more time looking at the photographs of the kitchen than I do of the bedroom or the living room. 
maybe you are somebody who spends more time looking at the backyard or at the property. Is it possible to envision a world in which the property description you read is going to be slightly different than the property description I read? Not that it's making things up, but it's just emphasizing the things that I'm going to have interest in over the things you're going to have interest in. It's possible for me to envision that. And so at that point, are you telling me that you can do a better job than AI of writing property descriptions? I don't think so. And so what I want this all to do, if I'm sitting back and saying, what do I want to see happen? I want every single person who's selling and working with consumers in the real estate industry to really sit down and ask themselves the question, what is my value? What value do I bring to this? How do I enhance that? It can't be writing property descriptions. If that's it, then yes, you're going to lose your job because AI is going to do that better than you. It's got to be more than that. And this is the time to really sit back and define what that is and to understand what value you bring to this equation that's more than just pressing buttons or typing words in or understanding how to describe the property. It has to be more than that. So I'm hoping it forces people into a reevaluation of what it is that makes somebody a really great real estate agent. I agree with you on the property descriptions because I've actually just started a little blog of my own called Icebreakers, but with an A in front of it. So it's A Icebreakers. But I asked in a live training session for ChatGPT to write me a listing description of my old house. It got it right. And then I said, now can you make it better? Like pretend actors Don Draper, who is a fictional character in Mad Men. Can you act like Don Draper, who's an expert in copywriting and create me a better hook? And the hook was pretty good. It actually tugged right on my emotions and made me want to go back to my old house. You could have said, write me 10 different hooks as Don Draper. And it would have been in three seconds written 10 different hooks. And then you, as the knowledgeable human, would have picked the hook that you thought was best. I view the way I'm using ChatGPT right now as, as like a little creative assistant. If I could have a human being sit on my couch in my office and just sit there all day long, do nothing but wait for me to say, okay, give me three different ideas on this subject. And even if they had to go to Google and look it up and you know do the work on that and it would come back, it might take them an hour to come back with three really good ideas. To me, the speed at which the iterative processes can take place is where people who really understand what the value of this is... And that's hopefully what I'm going to be able to really highlight in my presentation at Elite Retreat. How do you utilize these tools? How do you make decisions as a business person about when it's the right place and time to use AI and when you just need to use basic software to get the job done? AI is not going to be the answer to everything. There are some things that are noble, defined processes where you can just use good old-fashioned decision trees and make things happen. It doesn't have to be AI everywhere. Yeah. Speaking of downsides and ethical issues, I was listening to another podcast the other day. Oh, and in the news, rather, some Samsung employees were chatting to ChatGPT about the new model or something or other. And, you know, without actually thinking that ChatGPT is learning from everything that you type into it right now. Do you foresee any sort of ethical issues or privacy, like, you know, we live in a very privacy-concerned world right now. Do you think that that will create any issues in the real estate industry? Do we live in a privacy-concerned world? (sighs) You would think so. Well, actually, no. I'll change my answer on that. Apple's made us privacy-concerned. Well, I think to a certain extent, most people completely ignore the fact that they are absolutely 
giving up their privacy rights all the time. When was the last time anyone read the terms of service on a website that they've signed up for? I actually think we are not a privacy concerned society at all. I think we like to scream that we're concerned about privacy, but in the end, we're constantly offered up these technology treats that we salivate over and we give up our privacy time and time and time again. And it's only until later that we wake up and say, okay, I can't do that any longer. You know, I left Facebook a couple of years ago, one of the best decisions of my life, by the way, and Instagram and every Facebook owned company in a little piff over what was happening with data. But at the same time, I'm, again, like everyone else, the advantages of chat GPT are so massive. Am I concerned about what I'm typing into chat GPT? Yeah, I'm probably more careful than most people are about what I ask it. I fully understand that all of this is being consumed and that I've signed my life away in paying for the service. And I pay for chat GPT. I pay for the upgraded service. I'm happy to do it because I believe it's that valuable. But the end game of this is, if we're truly concerned about privacy, then AI is going to have to take a different approach to this. And I think what we're seeing right now is that there are versions of all of this that will be able to be run from our phones. I just started playing with a website today that I was given access to called memorygpt.io. If I showed you my screen right now, you'd see my first conversation with it. What's the point of this memory GPT? It's to store all of the conversations that I have with this version of this robot so that it learns from my past conversations and delivers a better experience. So the next question that everyone should be asking is, how can you possibly be certain that this history that you're feeding it isn't going to be used in nefarious ways by someone else? How can you be sure when you click on the forget chat and restart that it's actually forgetting the chat? How can you be certain? I don't know the answer to those questions. From an ethical standpoint, I want to believe that when I sign up for a service and it tells me it's doing something, that it's actually doing that thing. I know from experience that may not be true, but I'm still in that hopeful state of mind that says that the terms of service that I read on a site like this are real and that they'll be honored. Maybe that's Pollyanna, but I think it's wrong to say that we're extremely privacy concerned. I think we're not. I think we give it up all the time. And I think we don't think twice about it. If the thing is enticing enough, and this is one of those things that is most certainly enticing enough. Yeah, absolutely. Now that's an opinion, but I think it's a good one. Yeah. I do too. I'm a fan of ChatGPT. I've signed up for the 2.0. I've played with some other AI tools, which we might get onto, but you actually just made me think because we've just had quite a few data breaches, cybersecurity breaches in Australia. And I know someone who is involved in all three, but what can you do? We're on the verge of creating systems where passwords are worthless, literally worthless. It's not going to be difficult for a supercomputer to break just about any piece of code. And so we've got to figure out new ways of securing data. This is why when I say this is going to impact every aspect of business, if you built your business plan last June, you should be completely rethinking it. You should be sitting down and saying, okay, in light of everything that's happening from a technology standpoint, what am I missing 
if I don't embrace certain aspects of this technology? And should I be concerned about these things? And I think in a lot of businesses, the answer to that question is going to be, yes, I should be. And yes, I should be concerned. And then there's the ethical questions, especially as we continue trying to achieve general artificial intelligence. Everything we're doing right now is nowhere close to AGI. And if we do get someplace close to AGI, there's a whole slew of other things that we need to be concerned about. I'm listening to a book right now called Life 3.0 by Max Stegmark. It's chilling. It really is chilling. And at the same time, fills me with hope that there's the potential to solve a lot of world's problems with these advances that are taking place in technology. So I've thought for a long time about building a presentation around the lines from a poem. The line is, every angel is terrifying. And that's no different to what we're experiencing right now with this explosion in, in technology that's coming off the backs of these large language learning models and uh, generative AI. It reminds me a little bit of Downton Abbey, actually. And you mentioned electricity, actually. When electricity came to Downton, the cooks didn't want to use a mix master because they were afraid it was going to take their jobs. But then Daisy, the young cook, decided to plug in the thing and give it a go and made an amazing mousse or something. I think I can't remember what she made, but I do love period dramas. And it reminds me a little bit of that. And I guess, you know, like I've dipped my toe into some AI tools and I showed some agents a couple of weeks ago how I could create a listing description in ChatGPT, copied into a tool called Synthesia, read it a story and it could create an avatar of me. I could throw yep. in a couple of photos and there is my property video and I've made it without even needing to get my hair done. I mean, there's been an explosion of AI tools and this is going to be a hard question for you to answer again. But if you were to pick a few tools that you've seen crop up, I mean, just in the last week, I've seen one that actually does all my podcast notes for me and has ChatGPT integrated into it. So previously, you know, Otter and things like that, they could actually give me a transcript and kind of summarize it, but I was left with it if I didn't like it. Now I can go, yeah, no, I don't like that. Change that bit. Add some bullet points to this bit via chat GPT. And it's yeah, actually 100%. pretty good. Yeah, super normal was what I was using prior to crisp. Crisp notes are really nice because it can be just about any sound device. So when I'm using crisp, it doesn't matter whether I'm in Slack or whether I'm on Zoom or whether I'm in Meet or whether I'm in a Teams meeting. Because all of my sound is passing through one device, what you're saying, what I'm saying are all being built together into the transcript, yes, but also using different templates to determine what the summary and action items are. Supernormal does the same thing. It works best inside of Google Meet, but it's unbelievably good at taking notes. So if Google Meet's your thing, and I use Google Meet a lot, Supernormal is the app that I would choose. On the real estate side, I'm advising a company called StyleDot. They've just released a few weeks ago a site called reimaginehome.ai. And in the last month and a half, they've had 379,380 total signups in the last six weeks. And it allows you to upload a photo of your house and it will, without changing the room, replace furniture, create new styles, allow you to dream inside of your own home. It's magical to watch it work. And so these are the kinds of things that I think we're going to see more and more of. Very 
highly targeted, accomplishing very specific tasks that are going to change the way we work with just about everything. It's hard to imagine the kinds of things that are going to be built with this. And every day new things pop up and I just shake my head and go, I don't even have time to consume it all. It's so hard to stay on top of it, but it is a fascinating space. But you talk about this, you're doing podcast notes, right? I sit in meetings now where I can be fully attentive and paying attention because I know that the notes are going to be good enough from the AI that's listening in to give me what I need to understand what I need to do from an action item standpoint. That's how good it, in a very short period of time, we're talking about in the last four months, it's gone from being eh to holy crap, this is good. And we're still at the infancy of this stuff. This is the part that I feel like I'm 21 again, and I'm just beginning to delve into technology and all of this opportunity. And there's so much that can be done with this. And again, we're just seeing the very tip of the iceberg of what's possible. Honestly, by the time we get to July in Bali, I have no idea what new things are going to come up. Three months is an eternity right now. Yeah. I actually thought about that, you know, when you and I first chatted a month ago, we're chatting about this now. And I think chat GPT 3.0 had just been released. But since then, we've had 3.5 and 4. And And 4 is incredible. And, you know, I sort of thought to myself too, if version 4 can pass a bar exam and pass a medical exam, it would be crazy not to think that there would be a massive impact in this industry. Well, I think you and I've talked about what you would like me to try and accomplish at the Elite Retreat. And my objective there is to really talk to business leaders about how to utilize this technology and how to evaluate this technology through the lens of improving their ability to compete. And if you're a business leader who isn't thinking right now about how I integrate these technologies into my business, I think you're fooling yourself. I think you're burying your head in the sand and you need to get it out. Yeah, well, that's just it, isn't it? Because, and you, you are the guy as far as I'm concerned. There's nobody else in, you know, like my world in in real estate. But I think that that's something that leaders might struggle with in, in the future or in the immediate future too, is what do I put my hands on here? What's important? I think so too. And I think they're going to need some empathetic guides to help walk them through what their concerns are going to be. And there are going to be a lot of concerns around this. And we don't know yet whether or not Some of this technology is going to scare governments to the extent that they try to put in place measures to limit what it has access to or what it can do. I haven't formed my final opinion on whether that's a good or bad thing. In general, I think governments getting involved in these kinds of things tends to be bad. But I can also see the argument and logic behind someone wanting to make certain that these things aren't developed in ways that further enable nefarious behavior. I tend to err on the side of the good guys win. We have more people who want to utilize this technology for good than we do for bad, just as we do with every other piece of technology that's ever existed. There are lots of white hat hackers out there who are doing their damnedest to try and break into every site, not to do harm, but to find what is possible to be exploited, and to fix it before the bad guys figure it out. And I think we're going to have to be even more diligent with AI to make certain that that 
doesn't end up being the case that the bad guys end up winning. Yeah, absolutely. So let's talk some actions. Sure. As a result of everything that we've talked about, what do you think are the top three things that real estate professionals should be thinking about to get prepared for what's coming next? What do you think are the top three skills people really need to focus on over the next three months? So you're going to hear a lot about prompting. I think you're going to need to get skilled on how to prompt these AIs to do the things that you want them to do. Thankfully, the communities that are being built, I heard you mention MidJourney. MidJourney has an open community where you can go see other images that people have created. You can see the prompts that they've used to generate those things. The same is true on the ChatGPT side of the equation. There are little community groups that are popping up that are helping people to understand. If you want to get the best out of this, you're going to need to learn how to prompt these things properly. You want to get the best answers, ask best questions. Garbage in, garbage out. The second thing, I think people need to remember how to play again. You know, go ahead and allow yourself to be filled with wonder and go try these things and stop being so afraid. Just go try and put yourself in play mode. We as humans learn best when we're playing. It's how we learned as children. I find my best tools by just saying, oh, what the heck? Let me go play with that. Let me go see what that's about. And so that curious, inquisitive spirit that drove you as a child to want to learn things, you need to find that again. So you need to learn how to play. And then the third thing, you're going to have to implement faster than you've ever implemented before. Once you've made the decision that something works, figure out how to get it working in your business. Sitting around and waiting is not going to be an option any longer. These things are going to get easier and easier to implement. You know, I wrote a WordPress plugin in ChatGPT a few weeks ago. I've never written a WordPress plugin before in my life. Now, I know enough to be dangerous. I know how to ask it to do certain things. I knew how to prompt it to give me what I was looking for. But I wrote a working WordPress plugin to suck in a JSON feed. I would never have been able to do that on my own. I mean, that's not true. It would have taken me hours and hours and hours of research. And it took me less than 20 minutes to have a working WordPress plugin. Take the action. Once you see that it can get something done for you, don't be afraid to put it into action. I think that's what's going to kill a lot of people. Fear is going to kill a lot of people. Yeah. I'm smiling at that because if anyone's wondering why the Elite Agent website looks so good right now, it's because ChatGPT has helped me with a whole lot of CSS that I never... I never would have been able to do on my own or I would have paid a developer thousands and thousands of dollars. You know, for small businesses, it's a complete game changer. Well, and the fourth thing is to understand what doesn't need AI. So for example, the startup that I've got with my two partners in Australia, Tangela, which is an association management platform, we don't have any AI inside of Tangela right now because we don't need it. We can automate all the things that we're automating on behalf of these associations without it because there are rules. And when there are rules that can be followed, you can just use all of the existing technology to make those rules work, but you need to understand how to do that. And so you can create a really efficient system when you understand what the end objective is and you build specifically to that. So AI doesn't have to be used for everything. And there's going to need to be some intelligence applied to understand when you should and shouldn't 
infuse AI into your workflows. Yeah, that's sage advice there. So I just wanted to repeat as well for people that might be listening, Jeff will be with us for the full three days at Elite Retreat in Bali from the 3rd to the 6th of July. Come along and pick his incredibly large brain. He'll be going deeper into some of these things that we've been talking about. And I do think that by July, we could have moved forward completely again. So we will have much to talk about. And the best conversations really do happen at the bar, just so that everybody's aware. <laughs> I couldn't agree with you more. Well, Jeff, it's been fantastic catching up with you today. As always, you know, I love catching up with you. If there was one thing or one piece of advice that you'd like to leave everyone with, what would it be? I'm going to stick with my second piece of advice. Just become a child again and play. Let this stuff capture your imagination and, and go seek it out. Go have a little bit of fun in the exploration of these new technologies. They really are wondrous. And so just play. Yeah. Great advice. Jeff Turner, thank you so much. My pleasure as always. Thank you. We hope you enjoyed this episode of the Elevate podcast. With thanks to connectnow.com.au. Don't forget to get access to all of Elite Agent's premium resources, including a detailed episode guide for this podcast. Visit joinelitagent.com. 